So part of the decision was, it is an investment in a place to host our business meetups instead of paying for hotels elsewhere that we would do it at. We do not view this as an investment in a way to you know, make some money and get out while the market's high the way our parents taught us to think. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. We have another Money Monday episode here where we talk about all things money. And today I'm going to actually be talking very openly about our money and actually more specifically, why we chose to spend it on a home. Now, I have a legendary episode that came out about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer, episode 267 called, Should You Buy or Rent? And in that episode, I literally create this massive case using math and real statistics that most people are lured into homeownership under false pretenses, right? Your parents or your teachers taught you the, the best thing you can do is to rush out and buy a home. It's the best investment you'll ever make. And that dumb advice has been passed on for years and years and years and years, and it's just mathematically not true. So why did we decide to buy a home this time. Remember, in Los Angeles, where we just left, and if some of you are just catching up right now, hi, nice to meet you. We just moved from LA to Arizona. This is our, what, sixth day in the home as I record this. So if you remember, I always practiced what I preached. And we leased a beautiful home in LA. And then we put all of the rest of our money in places where it belongs. And our LA home, the way it was set up, it was cheaper to lease it than it would have been to buy it. And to defend the case I make, home values in LA, right in Santa Monica, the very home that we're in and all of our neighbor's homes, they're all crashing right now. The rents are crashing and the home values, what they're selling at are crashing. It's going down and it's bad. And so we were giddy. We were excited that we practiced what we preached and we did not buy that home in LA. We loved it. We spent a lot of years there. And it was a great financial decision to lease it for less than we could buy it for and then put that difference of money in other places where it can go to work for us. So then why the heck did we buy a home this time? Well, let's take a look at what I taught you in episode 267 first as like a high-level overview, just to catch you up as to why I I preach so strongly that you should not rush out and buy a home right away. By the way, I'm not anti-homeownership. There is a time and a place to become a homeowner. And for most of you, most of you listening, it is not this early in the stages that you are in. So yes, here's where this, this advice that our parents gave us, um, you know, passed down through the years of rush out and buy a home. It's the best investment you can ever make. Here's where it came from. The average home appreciates 4%. Remember, real estate varies based on pockets and based on markets. But since the 60s, when we've been tracking it, Across the whole United States, the average appreciation is 4%. That means if you have a $100,000 home, next year it's worth $104,000. Sounds like a good deal, right? And what people use to make this case that you should rent instead of buy is renting, you get nothing for your money. You just throw it out the window. Buying, 
you get to own your home and look, you've got appreciation. Well, first of all, if you have a mortgage on that home, you didn't buy it. You're renting it in a different way. If you're paying interest and you're making a payment, and if that bank will come and take that house from you, the minute you stop making that payment, you are renting that home anyways. That's just the facts. We can paint it as pretty as we want, but that's just the facts. The next set of facts are this. Sure, your home will go up 4% per year, but your annual cost of owning a homeownership are things like interest on your mortgage, which is 3 or 4%. And that's these are like record lows, right? So most years, it's been 5, 6, 7. Heck, my parents paid like 13 or 14% interest on a mortgage back in the, in the 70s. But let's just use 4%. And you're paying 1% a year on average based on where you live in property taxes. And you're paying a half a percent of your home's value per year in homeowner's insurance. Again, this all is based on where you live. It varies, but these are national averages. And by the way, if you want to hear where I quote each national average from, go back and listen to episode 267. I'm not going to get that granular today. You spend 2% a year in annual maintenance. That's not even making your home nicer. That's just annual maintenance. And you're losing 2.5% a year in inflation. Meaning, sure, your home went up in value, but you've lost 2.5% a year in spending power of the almighty dollar. For those of you that don't know, the spending power of our dollar, like what you can exchange it for, goes down by 2.5% every year in average in uh, inflation. So, And I know that sounds weird when you hear inflation makes you think, wait, things are going up. That's because costs are going up. Therefore, the value of a dollar is going down. What you can exchange it for is going down. So think about that. Interest on your mortgage, property taxes, homeowner's insurance, annual maintenance, inflation. You factor that in, you are losing 95 to 10% a year in homeownership costs. So sure, it's going up at you know, 4%. Or even those of you that, that send me DMs, my area is going up 8%. My area is going up 10%. You're still losing 95 to 10% a year in homeownership costs. And appreciation is temporary. I think we learned real quickly that some years it goes up and other years it goes way down. And so real estate really becomes a timing thing. And you guys are buying homes. Most of you don't view this as, I'll pick up the family and move them the very minute that I think that we're getting close to the top of a bubble. No, you're buying a home. You've got your roots there, your memories there. And so the problem is, you guys are, when you go to buy, you're calling it an investment, but then you're managing it emotionally and you're not truly ebbing and flowing by predicting the market, nor would I expect you to, right? That's not what the average family does. And so there's this misnomer that rushing out and buying a home is what you're supposed to do when in fact, it's actually a massive liability. And add to this, by the way, I just have to add this. And then I promise I'm going to get into why we bought. But there's realtor's fees, closing costs, and if you want to use the, the equity in your home, right? Your down payment, or let's say your home went up in value and you've got this equity, that equity is your money on the balance sheet. But if you want to use your very own money that's on your balance sheet, part of your net worth, you have to beg some bank and beg some underwriter to approve a loan, a home equity loan, and lend you your own damn money and charge you interest on your own money. What is that? Or you can sell that home and now you're back to square one. If you want to use that equity, you have to beg somebody to borrow it from them and pay them interest on your own money, or you can sell that home and now you're back to square one. Guys, this is why I am not a fan of homeownership. And remember, there's a time and a place to buy. But for most of you, go back to episode 267 if you want to learn if you're at the time and a place right now. You're probably not at that time and a place to buy yet. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying property is a bad investment. I am pro-income-producing property, and I am anti-homeownership. Meaning, 
cash-producing rental properties where people pay down your mortgage and you make a small profit every month. And then you end up with this free and clear asset in 10, 20, 30 years. That's a great thing to get into early. I got into rental properties very early in my, in my uh, age. I bought my first one at 19. By the way, while I was renting my home. So I practice what I preach. But at the end of this famous episode, episode 267, the real punchline is this. I do the math and I show you that if you just took the difference between the average rent payment in America, which is around $1,400 a month, and the average mortgage payment in America, which is around $1,655 a month, that $255 a month difference, right? So if you skipped owning and you went and rented the equivalent home, that $1,655 a month difference, sorry, that $255 a month difference turns into $570,000 in 30 years if you just put it in a low-fee index fund using the average appreciation. Because the average appreciation, since we've been tracking the market, is 9%, including all busts, bubbles, and everything. So yeah, go back to that episode and find out why I'm anti-homeownership and pro-investment property. And then use that as a backdrop as to why in the heck did Lori and I just buy a home here and not practice what we preach? Well. We bought a home here in Arizona because we're close to that place where I say now is a good time for you to go out and buy a home if you'd like to. And I'm going to share a few reasons with you why I think it was a bad idea for us to buy. And I'm going to share a few reasons with you why we bought anyways. And the goal of me sharing these is transparency. It's transparency to help you make your best financial decisions, but also your best life decisions as well. Because this sure as heck was not a financial decision. This was a life decision. So let's start with the reasons I think it was a mistake for us to buy this home instead of rent one. Number one, we bought a home that required $1,240,000 down to buy. $1,240,000 was our down payment. Really is $1.2 million and then $40,000 was the closing cost. And it's a mistake because that's cash that we had to take out of our checking and savings (laughs) that could be used to help grow our companies faster. That's cash that could have been used and invested into income-producing properties instead of an actual home that we live in, not producing any income. That's cash that as Lori grows her alcohol brand, which is super liquidity-hungry, super cash-intensive, we could have used that cash by investing even more into that company and growing it faster. We could have invested it into our other startups. There's startups that we want to buy right now, investment opportunities that have come across our, our desk, that we will probably say no to one or two of them. There is one that I'm still saying yes to, but we're going to say no to one or two of these opportunities that we really would love to invest in because we just diverted some of that money right now, some of that liquid cash. And so reason number one is that $1,240,000 that we used as a down payment that would have been better placed somewhere else where it's going to work for us. And now if we wanted to use that equity that's tied up in the house, we'd have to go beg some underwriter for it and pay interest on it, which is asinine. All right, reason number two, we think it was a mistake to buy. We bought in a bubble. This area and this particular level of home in Scottsdale, and not just Scottsdale, but here in Scottsdale, we bought in Paradise Valley. This is a true bubble. And we bought towards the top of this bubble. And here's why there's a bubble that's formed. And by the way, a bubble means uh, values have gone up very quickly. They're a bit inflated compared to what reality should be. Well, everybody, just like us, everybody 
is fleeing these crowded, crime-ridden, stressful, busy cities like LA and San Fran and New York and Chicago and Seattle and Portland, where there's tons of unrest and there's tons of tension. And the return on investment of spending all that time in traffic and living in these busy cities, as soon as COVID hit, people realized, I don't think I want to do that anymore. So people are fleeing those cities and they're buying in a little bit more peaceful, chill cities where you get more space like Nashville, Austin, Scottsdale, Dallas. Um, they're buying in Idaho. Like Those are the hot spots right now. And because Scottsdale is one of them, this is a bubble that's forming and could pop at any time. And if it popped at any time, we could lose millions. Not just our down payment. What if the value got cut in half, which is not very unrealistic? Guys, that's what happened in the last time the, the housing bubble popped. Right in this very market, houses dropped 40 to 50%. So we could lose a couple million bucks very quickly. Money that, once again, should have been placed elsewhere working for us. The third reason we think that it was a mistake for us to buy is moving here is just an experiment. We didn't think that LA was for us anymore. LA has changed. But moving here is just an experiment. What if we didn't want to stay here? What if we want to go to Nashville? What if we want to go to Texas? What if we want to go back home to Wisconsin? Who knows what? And because it's an experiment, what happens if we don't like it? Guys, the closing costs on this home were 1%. And then to sell it would be another 6 to 7% in realtor's fees and closing costs. So we're guaranteed to lose 6 7 8% if we decide that we don't like it in six months or in a year. That's a lot of money to lose on an experiment. It would have been more flexible had we rented. It would have been safer. It would have cost less had we rented than just turning around and losing 6 7 8% in one year's time. Now, those are the reasons why, and those fit well within what I teach. Those are the reasons why I think it was a mistake for us to buy this home instead of finding a place to lease. But here are the reasons I felt comfortable breaking my own rules. And I struggled with this, but here's the reasons I felt comfortable breaking my own rules. Reason number one, the home we bought, and I promised you transparency. So the home we bought was $4 million. That is way less than we make in a year. Now, for comparison, this is like the equivalent of the average family where the average income uh, in America is $60,000, buying a $40,000 home. We all know that's not what happens. They go out and they buy a $200,000 home or $250,000 home or $300,000 home. But we just bought a $4 million home, which is less than we make in a year. And so it felt really responsible to us to make that type of decision. The second reason is our payment to income ratio. And you're probably wondering, well, why'd you get a mortgage? Because our money is where it's supposed to be. It's working for us. So if we would have liquidated stock and companies, if we would have liquidated investments that are doing really well to pay cash for this house, that would have been stupid. And so because we put down the $1,240,000, our payment to income ratio is really small. Now, for, for, for comparison, Dave Ramsey, a very conservative um, financial expert, he recommends that you should spend 25% of your take-home pay, 25% of your take-home pay on your house payment. And underwriters at banks, they will typically approve you for a house payment that is 30% of your gross income. That is way too high. So if you made 120 grand a year, that means you're making 10,000 dollars a month. That means they'll approve you for a housing payment of 3,000 dollars a month. 
guys, that is too high. I know that's the situation most people are in, but that's too high. That's not being responsible with your money. So if Dave Ramsey recommends you should spend 25% of your take-home pay on your home, and if the typical underwriter at a bank will approve you for 30% of your gross income, our payment to income ratio is like 3%. I'm not even kidding. It's like 3 point something of our income. So it's a super conservative decision that I felt comfortable with. Reason number three I felt comfortable breaking my own rules is we do not view this as an investment like our parents taught us to view it. And we do not view buying this home as an investment where we're going to make more money the way your parents taught you to think. We're not under any false pretenses here. We do see this as an investment in a place to host our business meetups. We're going to do monthly dinners. We're going to host mastermind dinners here. We're going to invite people that do workshops with us right into our home because this home is epically set up for it. So part of the decision was it is an investment in a place to host our business meetups instead of paying for hotels elsewhere that we would do it at. We do not view this as an investment in a way to you know, make some money and get out while the market's high the way our parents taught us to think. And the fourth reason I felt comfortable breaking our own rules and the real reason was this. We set out to rent. We set out to practice what we preach. But the rental market here, remember the bubble I told you about? is so out of whack. There's such low supply and such high demand that the rental market here is way out of whack. And to rent something that we wanted, that we would enjoy being in, would have been more than two times our mortgage payment. To rent something that was comparable would have been more than two times our mortgage payment. Remember in LA, to be able to lease that home was less than what it would have cost us to buy. Out here, it would have been two times as much to rent versus what it cost us to buy. And there just wasn't anything that we liked available for lease. There there just wasn't nothing. Well, we looked. We looked hard. And at this point, we felt like we earned the ability. Listen to that phrase. We earned the ability to make bad financial decisions to have what we want. This is number four. This is really the punchline of number four. We chose to buy this place because we feel like at this point, we have earned the ability to make bad financial decisions, or at least risky. Let's call it risky financial decisions to have what we want. We've earned that. And we had the patience and we had the discipline to get ourselves to a place where we've earned that. And that's why I say, Homeownership is a timing thing. There's a time and a place for it. And I feel like we're getting close to the place where we've earned that ability to make risky financial decisions to have what we want. As a matter of fact, here's the rest of the story. I knew we were in trouble when Lori, my wife, came to me with this picture of this very home on her screensaver on her phone. It's the first time I've seen this home. She comes up to me and she's like, look, look, look. The screensaver on her home, on her phone was this home. And she said, honey, I think I found the home that I want. And she was serious. She's like, this is the place. This is where I could picture raising a family. She said, this is like, this is the one I want. This home is meant for us. And I knew at that point that we were screwed. I knew at that point that I was going to have to buy this place. And that you know, sticking to practicing what I preach was right out the window. And thus, it was a decision in happiness, not in sound financial decision-making, but instead a decision in happiness. And sometimes in life, 
you need to make a decision in happiness instead of making a decision that is purely financial. And when you hear that, I don't want you to take that phrase and abuse it. If you are reinventing yourself financially right now, like we were doing 11 years ago, if you are on your way up but not there yet, I want you to follow the advice in episode 267. I don't want you to trick yourself into saying, well, Chris said sometimes a decision in happiness is better than a sound financial decision. Because remember what I said right before that, and that is at this point, we've earned the ability to make risky financial decisions to have what we want. And once you get there, then I encourage you to weigh out all the options just like we did and have the freedom of maybe making that riskier decision to have what you want. And so I stand by my opinion about homeownership. And I stand by the lessons in episode 267. And by the way, I'm not trying to sell you on listening to that episode. You've got to go listen to it. It is the best example of should you rent or buy in history. The math is epic. There's a reason it went mega viral. And in this case, even though I stand by my opinion about homeownership, not being a good financial investment, it is a situation where it was a dream place to live. And sometimes you need to cast aside the financial decisions in favor of happiness decisions. And you know how we wrap up every show, right? When good people make good money, they can do dumb things. <laughs> Just kidding. I figured I'd stick that one in there for this one. When good people make good money, they do great things. And I want you guys to have the discipline to make the right decisions so that then you'll accumulate good money so that you too can go do great things. And guys, I'm still taking on one more one-on-one client for 2021. I only take two at a time. I've had some great conversations, but they have to be as much of a a client that I'm excited about as as them being excited about coaching with me. And so if you make more than $300,000 a year and you've got big goals for 2021, I want you to text the word coaching to 310-421-0416. Just text me the word coaching. It comes right to me, 310-421-0416. And you and I will start texting back and forth, having a conversation to see if it might be a good fit for us to jump on a Zoom and see if you are my next one-on-one coaching client. Again, if you make over 300 grand a year and you've got massive goals this year, it's going to take a lot of work to succeed. I'm telling you, you've heard my other episodes about the headwinds we we face. Go ahead and text coaching to me at 310-421-0416. In the meantime, please share this episode. Tag me with your opinions. Am I crazy? Am I not crazy? What's your feedback? I love when you guys do that. You can find me on Instagram at Chris W. Harder. And as always, Thank you for listening. It means the world to me. And I really, really, really appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.